dollar, any size you want. Yeah. So uh, I like the ja- Jamaican blue. I think it's Jamaican, called. Jamaican. Yeah. yeah. It feels yeah. exotic whenever yeah. I. So yeah. <laughs> it's kind of nice. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Bridge Podcast, and um, today we've got a special episode, and uh, it's it's going to be all on the topic of Easter, which of course is important to the lives of believers and. If you're an unbeliever, then I think you should also listen up because it can be quite important too. Mark, how are you this morning? I am doing fantastic. I'm actually always, I always exist in the afternoon. I'm not a That's not true. A morning this is guy. an odd I'm, placement for you, isn't I'm, it? I'm the afternoon host. Yeah. Not a morning host. No. I'm Andrew Jackson, Director of Marketing. And the Bridge Podcast is normally sponsored by the Boardwalk Plaza Hotel and restaurant, uh, Victoria's restaurant, in fact. You know, we went there, uh, my brother and I and our wives, we had a wonderful night out. Uh, it was it was a beautiful evening on the beach, just enjoying the surf and having a dessert. It was great. Roger, you've been, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. It is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. This is the time of the year to begin thinking about that. Right. Well, and it's not so busy because it's the off season, right? So. Yep. Absolutely. So, Roger Marino, you're with Mount Air Farms. And you're one of the big reasons that we're here today while we're having this special episode on the topic of Easter. We've invited a number of pastors uh, who serve this region faithfully for years. And Mount Air Farms at Easter has a special activity that they do. Is that right? Correct. You know, we're uh, we're a Christian-based uh, company with a culture of uh, feeding thousands of people and working with thousands of people, doing the right things in the community where we live, work, play, and pray. And... Uh, and this year, this time of the year, uh, we will um, be providing food for 11,000 uh, needy persons who would might not have had a, uh, a dinner right. on the day that Jesus Christ rose to save us all. That's a big tradition in most families, a nice Easter dinner. Sit down after church on Resurrection Sunday. You go and you have a meal. You are grateful for what you've been provided. And there are people without that benefit, right? Well, absolutely. You know, people think that uh, this is uh, something new, uh, feeding those who are in need. But we've been doing it for many years, 25 years, and the need is there. The need is out, out there. For one reason or another, somebody doesn't get a meal, especially on a, on a holiday like this. Um, and, uh, and we want to bring them together. We want them to come together. We want them to be able to sit and bring their neighbors together. So Absolutely. if they take our food, they want to, in their own culture, they want to make it into something different, that's fine. But we give them the basics with Wonderful. a large roaster, uh, you know, a seven-pound roaster chicken. They can use that any way they want, right. along yeah. with the, the staples, you know, the, the boxed food, the canned food. Well, I think it's excellent. And this is just part of uh, uh, three big events that fall under the Thanksgiving for Thousands umbrella. Is that right? Correct. Thanksgiving at, uh, in November. Yep. Um, we call that Thanksgiving for Thousands. Then there's Thanksgiving at, e- at Christmas. Okay. And then Thanksgiving at Easter. That's wonderful. Um, three times a year to give thanks for all the good things that the good Lord has done for us. Absolutely. And how, ma- how many, pe- uh, what would you estimate these 25 years, how many people have you fed? 25 years this year, we will have uh, fed or provided food mm-hmm. for 1 million people on Delmarva. Wow. wow. That's phenomenal. You're going to have to update the name. 
It can't be Thanksgiving for thousands anymore. It's millions millions now. (laughs) Well, Roger, we really appreciate the idea that Mount Air Farms had to bring together pastors on the shore to discuss one of the most important events in the Christian life. So thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you. And I think everybody should know really what what Easter is all about. There's so many people who don't know that. And uh, and, uh, this station provides an avenue for those persons to uh, to be able to listen in a uh, in a in a non-judgmental way uh, as to really what Easter is all about, yes. and maybe yep. maybe we'll have some saved. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Thank you, Roger. Thank you, Roger. <laughs> hey, I want to thank you guys for joining us for this Easter discussion that was organized by Mount Air Farms. And we're joined by Pastor Bruce Rogers, Long Neck United Methodist Church, right? Long Neck, Delaware? Correct. Nice to have you here. Thank you. And then we're also joined by Pastor Art Roxby. And Art, where are you from again? Milford Church of the Nazarene here in Milford. Excellent. So that's just up the street from Mm -hmm. the studio. Very cool. Pastor Jim Dorton is here from Three Stones Church in Dover. Pastor Jim? Glad to be here. See you. Thank you for joining us. And then Pastor Rick Betts is here from Crossroad Community Church there in Georgetown. How are you? Very good. Excellent. Good Good to be here. Uh, It's great to have you all here. And um, on this topic of Easter, Mark, you had some thoughts on this that you were sharing with me earlier. Sure did. So we're here to talk about the cross today. And I figured it's really easy to get really nitpicky and pick specific parts and maybe not give the whole story. So I'm going to give the the cross for dummies uh, version. Um, So the Bible starts with God making a perfect world. And man decided they wanted their own way. Adam and Eve ate the fruit and introduced sin into the world. And from this point on throughout the Old Testament, whenever people sinned, they would offer sacrifices to God, usually in the form of animals like lambs. Spoiler alert. Um, And uh, all of this was to pay for the sin that was committed. If that person sinned against God again, they would have to do another sacrifice. So God being God decides to put an end to the vicious cycle. He sends his son, Jesus, both fully man and fully God to live on the earth. Uh, While Jesus was here, he never sinned. He lived a perfect life. And that's an important detail Uh, because he was a spotless lamb. I'm doing air quotes here. A person without blemish or without sin, he could present himself as a sacrifice to pay for sins. John 3:16 and 17 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So all of those, all those details, what have I missed? Well, I think when uh, Mark read and said, that they were doing animal sacrifice to take care of sin and then god said well i need to put an end to this and do it a different way the real picture is god always intended christ to be coming Mm -hmm. Uh, from the garden he said the seed of the woman is going to come and crush his head satan's head uh and, and deal with sin the plan was always that and so when god brings animal skin to adam and eve it's the picture of a sacrifice to cover for sin, to take care of the sin problem. Right there in the beginning so, in Genesis. Yeah, right, right at the beginning. So the story of the Bible is always about Jesus. It's, it's not an afterthought. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, he was always headed to the cross. 
that was always the point. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when he said, nobody takes my life, I lay it down willingly. Uh, they came to the garden, and he tells Peter, uh, I could call 12 legions of angels to stop this. Mm-hmm. They're not making this happen. I'm going to let it happen. And so God's heart was always for the Savior to come. He always wanted to rescue us from our sin. And that's a beautiful picture to know that when he was on that cross, it's there for me, for you, for the whole world from the beginning mm-hmm. of time until the end. Um, so that's one thing I would say to that. It was always about Jesus. And and if I come with that perspective to the Bible, then the Bible begins to open up. I can begin to see that picture. Sure. If I don't know that, if I'm blind to it, then I may miss the picture that's really you miss there in seeing the Christ Correct. in the Old Testament, right? Correct. Right, and I yeah. think a lot of us may have been brought up that way, you know, or even if it was just uh, not a full understanding of who God is, maybe we missed it. So we're reading through and we see a vengeful God, or we see uh, an incomplete picture. But you're right; when you put Christ into the Old Testament, you see the purpose behind everything leading up to the cross. Completely different perspective. Yeah, not just the sacrifice, but everything that God put in place were were signposts to point to the cross. So. You know, the office of priest, and Jesus was the great high priest, and then we become a priesthood of all believers. Mm-hmm. And then all the sacrifices pointing to the one sacrifice for all, and then, then we're to give ourselves as living sacrifices, right? And then the temple was always be the, 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 um, the Holy of Holies, the, the mercy seat, the place where God met man. Jesus was literally mm-hmm. the place where God met man, met man. right? Mm-hmm. And then he became the temple himself. And then we are temples of the Holy Spirit. So the whole thing was pointing forward to the cross and past to the redemption. It's like I can see that gif right now, you know, where the guy's mind is blown. <laughs> it's huge. It really is huge. I mean, the fact that if, if God had it all planned out and he, you know, he knew that he had to send his son as a sacrifice for our sins to finally wipe the slate clean, then... Um, then there must be some markers of evidence, right, through history. There must be, like, do I have to take all this, this is going to sound weird, but on faith alone? Like, do I just have to buy it? Or are there some historical pointers that can say, you know, this happened. You can look back and see the record that these people existed, that this man came to earth, and that this event happened. I think there's enough historical evidence from scriptures, from extra-biblical sources, that there's not any doubt that there was a historical person named Jesus Christ. I don't see any doubt there. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there is a fact. There is a Jesus from Nazareth who came. Uh, there is evidence of his teaching. There are so many witnesses to the account uh, that this tradition arises. They write it down. Where faith comes in is Jesus makes a unique claim. He said, I am the Son of Man, come that the world might be saved. I've come to reveal God perfectly to you. No man's seen God, but if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Uh, The cross becomes that moment of faith for us where we trust that this is God's provision that we might have eternal life, that the thing that separates us from God, our own sinfulness, our own pride, can once and for all be dealt with. that's where it becomes a step of faith. Mm -hmm. Yes, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Yes, Jesus Christ is God revealed. Yes, his death on the cross was to remove the separation between God and myself. So it's a both and. 
Yes, there is a historical person named Jesus Christ. I believe it was Josh McDowell in his book, Evidence Demands a Verdict, said there is more than enough evidence that in any court of law, this cannot be disputed. And now it's the interpretation. And the Holy Spirit gives us that opportunity to say, this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. And I can believe and trust in him. You know, I remember a word picture a pastor painted for us once in a sermon talking about all of the evidence and the claims of um, all the, all the uh, prophecy that was fulfilled on Christ's arrival, right, which we celebrate as the birth of Christ in, in, at Christmas time. But all of those prophecies becoming fulfilled, if you laid, I think it was a quarter out in Texas, you know, and it would cover like the entire state of Texas with quarters five deep or something. I, I forget the exact, uh, the exact word picture, but it was this amazing idea that there was this huge stack of prophecies that would lead up to this. Leading into Easter, we have a couple of traditional celebrations. Um, we have, of course, uh, Monday, Thursday, right? That's mm -hmm. a, a time when we can gather together at church. Then we head right into Good Friday. And Good Friday is traditionally where we recognize the, the night that they were at the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And that he's led away, he's judged, and then taken to the cross to die. So it's, it's a great day, right? It's a Good Friday. Why in the world? Who named this day? What happened, Pastor Bruce? <laughs> it's another one of those things I think that we look at, and, and it really depends on the perspective that you have. Okay. Uh, if you're looking at it from what you had said previously, from a a person who is maybe a seeker or even a non-believer, mm -hmm. uh, they'll ask you the question, well, how can you say that it's good that the person you claim to be your Messiah is taken and killed on a cross and put in a tomb? How can right. you call it doesn't, that good? It doesn't sound good yet. It, it doesn't sound like any made-for-Hollywood movie that you've ever looked at that has a really good happy ending to it. But what makes it good is the happy ending that's there for us. And, and that's the happy, that, it's the happy ending. It's, it's, it's all about the grace that comes from that cross. It is mm -hmm. the faith that we have that one person can be preordained by God, that one person can come from God and take away all the sins of those that were not even yet born mm. and give us eternal life. As, uh, as Rick had said earlier, I think one of the disservices that we do a lot of times as pastors is we let folks bifurcate the Bible. We have the Old Testament and we have the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And we don't see that the tapestry flows from the very beginning of time. And, and that is, as Jim says, it just all goes to this point. And, and there's plenty of archaeological evidence. I mean, the, the, the guys still continue to dig out things in, in, in the Holy Land now. Um, part of David's um, uh, palace was recently found in the Holy oh, Land. Wow. So the facts are there. And, and when we get to that point on Friday, we do all those human things. We have all that emotion that's pent mm -hmm. up. You know, here these guys have spent three years walking and seeing and experiencing miracles. And then all of a sudden, the person they believe that was going to lead them in on this charging white horse is up on a on a tree on a hill between two thieves right and and we're supposed to see that as good right. um factually it's there but it also requires that faith and it's part of the story if you understand mm -hmm. where the story comes from you understand why it's good news it's great news um sometimes we do a disservice sometimes we kind of take the rough edges off we call it holy friday as opposed to mm -hmm. good friday uh, more and more folks call it Holy Friday just to try to say and, and make it easier for people to understand. It's not a good Friday. It's a great Friday because Christmas marks part. We celebrate the birth of Christ. But Christ was born for that day and for that purpose and for right. all of us. Right. And if you, if you dig a little deeper and, and you get to the bottom of what it all means, then it truly is a good Friday. Yeah. 
It's all that prophecy well, that you're talking it, it about. Is, it, it is good for us mm-hmm. because it is that point in time where the sacrifice is made right. to remove the sin. So it's good for the person who becomes the believer. Right. But it's also good for Christ. It goes at that deeper too, than right? that, I sure. think. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, we just studied about this at my, in my Bible study last night. We have this, this image of a God that no one's ever seen. And apart from his willingness to reveal himself to us, we cannot truly know him. And we have the scriptural witness that Jesus Christ is the revelation of God to us. If you want to know what God is, you look at Jesus. But we also have the promise that if you want to know what God intended when he created humanity, you also look at Jesus. And because there's this huge gulf between us that we in our limited understanding, in our limited knowledge, in our limited experience can't cross, God had to bridge that. The cross becomes that bridge because it, it reminds us, it shows us that God took the initiative, as Rick said, from the beginning mm-hmm. to draw us back to himself. God took the initiative on himself to trade the glory of heaven, to trade the, the infinite blessing of heaven for this body, for this life, which he willingly laid down for us, that we might receive the gift of both eternal life and salvation and relationship with him. It was God doing that on our behalf, willingly and out of love, that makes it great news. So that we ultimately don't need to experience eternal death and eternal damnation for ourselves. God took that on himself for us. And if you don't, look at the cross with spiritual eyes then you only see it in the natural realm Uh, i remember uh, pastor bill sammons uh, before he became a pastor uh, he was a traveling evangelist and and uh, he came home with this story said he was talking about jesus and a woman came up to him and said isn't it just awful that jesus died at 33 years old. Imagine what he could have accomplished if he had lived to be <laughs> 70. <laughs> and the whole point was she was only looking at it in the natural. Here was a person obviously maybe at church or at a Bible study and and Pastor Bill had probably shared something about Jesus and it clicked the natural to her. It's such a shame he died at 33. How much could he have done if he lived to say? Totally missing the spiritual point of why that Friday was a good Friday. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because now that natural man, who the son of man, who was the son of God in flesh, who was now going to pay a price that none of us could pay for ourselves. If I died for my sins, I'm dead. I have no hope. But if he dies for my sins... He didn't deserve it. He's going to be raised Lord of all, and I have now an opportunity for eternity by the very love of God because of that cross. And uh, if you come with just a human perspective, then, yeah, it's a bad day. If you come with the the, uh, eyes open and lightened that God does to us, then we can see the, the beauty in it. And uh, I remember I, I wrote a song for, uh, for my wife, and the last verse of the song was, Look now, my love, tell me if you can see his cross upon the hill where his blood was spilled. Can you see the beauty in it for 
It was there he set us free, and now we all can be reborn. Amen. Mm -hmm. And it's the beauty that you can only see once God changes your heart. You know, if, if I stay, you know, a skeptic is a good thing because a skeptic can be changed. Right. But somebody who's predetermined that there is no God, predetermined there is no uh, reality except a criminal dying on the cross, that person's eyes can't be open. But the one that's searching, mm -hmm. the one that's seeking, that's really looking, God can do the incredible. He says those that seek are going to find. Mm -hmm. Those that knock, the door will be open to them. And I think that's a picture of what really happened at the cross that day. And you, you won't be able to see it till God uh, is able to open your eyes and, and let you see the beauty of a Good Friday. And as good as it is for Christians, it's not just for Christians and not just for us. It was, this was the will of God that was being carried out. You know, Isaiah said it was God's will to crush him, though we see it as him being smitten. Mm. You know, it, was, it was God's will and, and, and that stuff that we can't completely understand. When, when, when Peter preached it, it says, by the hands of sinful men, but by the will of God. So it kind of re-pictures re for us what this looks like with this whole legion of soldiers coming to get him. They could have sent one guy. Jesus was going willingly, mm. but right. for the joy yeah. set before right. him, That's right, that, that, that he went to the cross. So um, it was good for God. It was God's will. God was being, being glorified. As matter of fact, you, you see an interesting juxtaposition. If you look at the, <laughs> at the birth and the death, you see at the birth of Christ announced on the hillside, to the shepherds, right, and the, the glory of God, which we see as some light around the shepherds. And then, so you see that light at his birth, and what do we see at his death? Just before his death, we see the light taken away, the sun's light failing, mm -hmm. the darkness there. God was in complete control of what was taking place here, in spite of what everyone running around on the ground thought. Right. So this, this was good for God. This is God's glory being demonstrated yeah. here. Yeah. I, th I think there's one other thing that makes this good. When we talk about the person of Jesus Christ, we talk about the God-man, the divine God, fully 100%, the human Jesus, fully 100% man, suffering. And this is where the cross still speaks today in a world that is so desperately broken. And, and we meet people every single day who suffer from you know, a litany of issues. In the cross we see pictured a God who is not far off merely superintending this spinning ball in space. We see a God who so profoundly identifies with his highest creation that he suffers with them willingly, freely identifies. I'm struck in John's gospel, the end of John's gospel is bracketed by two deaths. There is Lazarus' death in chapter 11 and we find Christ on his way to Jerusalem, stopping by the tomb. And for me, two of the most powerful words in all of scripture, Jesus wept. Hmm. I've been struck by that because he knew what was about to happen. He was God. He knew he was about to call Lazarus from the dead. But here is the human Christ standing outside the tomb of his friend, weeping over his death and his sister's suffering and the people gathered there is the very same Christ who in a few short days is going to be suffering for us. So we have a God who not only gave himself freely for us, but identifies with every human experience right. we have mm -hmm. right. and can then speak his love and power into our lives 
because of the cross. Speaking of experiences, um, Easter is a traditional, seasonal, regular event every year, like clockwork. Your churches do a lot of work to prepare, to present the gospel. Your families have their own celebrations, and you yourself think about and reflect on and celebrate Easter. What are some ways that your church handles Easter or handles the celebration or presents it uh, to the community? How are you welcoming people in, and, uh, and what can they expect at your particular church? We have some community events. Uh, some other churches gather, and we do um, a Thursday evening, Friday evening, and then a sunrise service um, that, that we do that are kind of special that we reach out to the community. On, uh, on, on Sunday morning, we, we don't do anything particularly different. Matter of fact, this is the first mm -hmm. time in about four years we're actually going to have, because we've been going through the Gospel of Luke for three and a half years, and it's going to culminate this coming Easter. Awesome. It'll be the first time we've actually had the resurrection passage on, on Easter morning. So typically the Sunday morning service is about the same, but we do surround it with with some other things that we open to the community and uh, there's four or five, six churches that come together to do wow. those things. That's great. That's we, cool. we start on Thursday night. We'll have okay. a Thursday night service and, uh, and then also at the conclusion of the Thursday night service we'll start a vigil. And so we'll have the church open 24 hours a day mm. uh, all, the way, all around the clock through Thursday, Friday, Saturday night into sunrise Sunday morning. So we'll do a Thursday night service, a Friday service, um, the vigil going through Saturday and then on Sunday morning we have a sunrise service on the bay we go down to the end of Long Neck Road at Massey's Landing, and we, we await the rising of the sun. Thankfully, this year, Easter's going to be a little later, so it's not going to be as cold right. as it has been in the past. <laughs> but we, uh, we do that, and then we have our traditional services, and all of which um, you know, we advertise. And we, we have a lot more folks that are coming in, that are, that are seeking, that are looking, that want to know what exactly is going on. And, mm -hmm. uh, and the key is to, is to try to keep people involved. And, and I think, I forget, maybe it was Rick that said, and you know, when you look at the cross, human eyes stop at the cross. They don't see beyond it. But those who have faith look beyond the cross and what that means. And so that's what we try to present. Um, it, Easter, in many ways, is just like Christmas. You know, if you go to church on Christmas Eve and the pastor doesn't tell you the story from Luke, which also happens to be the same story that Charlie Brown was based on when Charles Schultz, <laughs> right, people right. leave and they say, well, that's not the and real story. Yeah. They expect certain <laughs> things to help them make that make that leap, that bridge, using the cross as the bridge. Yeah. So you, you have to, I think, what we try to do is we try to make it familiar, okay. but you also try to take it to that next step where there's just a little bit more of a hook, there's an interest, uh, there is the unknown. People are always searching for something. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, for our, we're gonna be a little different this year uh, because we've taken a step where we have three congregations that meet under our roof. We have our English-speaking congregation, we have a Haitian congregation, and we have a Spanish congregation. And that's new for us. So uh, we always have a Thursday evening service where it is, uh, it's called a Seder celebration. Sure. It is the remembrance mm -hmm. of the Passover. It's a very symbolic meal, and we try to lead those who gather through Jesus' own prophecy as he's going through that Passover Seder and the points where the Christian Seder differs from the Jewish Passover meal. Jesus is saying something very profound. Um, and that will be a bilingual service. We've invited our other congregations to be a part of that so they can experience. The same will happen Friday evening. We tend to go in the evening. I prefer afternoon, but with work schedules. Uh, this year, we're going to have what's called a tenebrae service. Uh, somebody alluded to the darkness you know, coming into the world. Tenebrae is a service of darkness, and symbolically, the life is snuffed out. 
And then I wonder how many sunrise services are out on the beach. Right. We are as well. We, we meet out at Slaughter Neck uh, at sunrise every year and, and celebrate the risen Christ. It's a, a, a testimony service. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I invite uh, our congregation, the people gather, to share the places in their life where they've witnessed the resurrected Christ. It's always a, a very sp- – and then we do a traditional Sunday morning special. service. Sounds yeah. nice. Yeah. And to me, uh, Art, the – the fact that you're having a Haitian, a Hispanic, and a predominantly white church all working together and uh, doing these services, I think that that's incredible. To me, that's the power of the cross. Right. Absolutely. That's the power of the resurrection. That's the power of changed lives, that we don't have to just make it about what we like or what we're in. We actually go farther than that, and that's you're going to have some awesome experiences in that, uh, which I know you've already had. Yeah. And uh, at, at, at Crossroad, we uh, Good Friday has been a great emphasis for us. We, we put a lot into that service. We now have to do multiple services on Good Friday because of people coming. We, uh, we surround it with music and testimonies, uh, a theme one year on the blood, a theme on the cross uh, a couple years ago. A theme on forgiveness and and people giving testimony of how their lives were changed, and so it does. It's not just left that this is that human event. This is a spiritual one that changes lives, and for the skeptic, for them to hear real people giving real testimonies of real life change, uh, we've we've loved doing that. And people have come and been surprised that we put so much into a a Good Friday service. And some they think, oh, that's what I, I guess that's what you're going to do on Sunday. And then they come that's to just a normal. Right? They come to a normal service <laughs> at Easter. It's like, well, what happened? That Friday thing was like incredible. And uh, but we really put a lot into that, and it's, it is moving. We do communion. We uh, last year, uh, or the or the year before, we had a testimony of a person that had. Uh, injury from an accident had no relief didn't even want to come to the service because of pain Uh, but they came and uh, communion was was given out we received communion and they went up for prayer at the altar and uh, the pain went away Mm. and they've never had any pain they testified it's been years now but they testified i i came to a good friday service looking at the cross, mm-hmm. considering the life of Jesus, took communion, and what the doctor said I just have to put up with, God took away in a moment. Wow. And you just don't know what's going to happen when you focus with spiritual eyes exactly. on the cross. It's so encouraging to hear uh, from all the way around that there is this emphasis on Good Friday because my, my kind of history, most of my life, you had a big deal on Palm Sunday kids waving palms and that mm-hmm. kind of thing which i think to be historically accurate they should be there on friday yelling crucify him um but yeah. no one ever wanted to see the little kids doing that <laughs> but the good, the good friday service was often lightly tended kind of overlooked and we went straight to the resurrection which is wildly important but but you, you can't skip what took right. place on friday no. i mean the the, the power mm-hmm. of that but i i think so in so many places it is kind of you know, to the rush to, to Easter, and we really should pause and, and, mm-hmm. and pay attention to what took place there because, you know, what, what, what took place, that's what, the other reason why it's good, right? Because we don't end up in hell because of that that's Friday. Right. That's Amen. That's Absolutely. really good. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds good to me. Now, it's, it's good to celebrate one day a year, right? We can all check that off 
take care of that. Now I'm set until maybe Christmas. I'll get back into church then. Right? Or do we celebrate the cross in some way? Do we recognize it or honor it throughout the entire year? Should be. What are some ways that you're doing that in your life or through your church? Well, we, uh, we don't go a Sunday without talking about in some way it's not a it's not a rote way we don't do it the same way all the time but we don't go sunday without talking about the gospel the 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 power of the cross the purpose of the cross and and what happened there and as a matter of fact this um this is the culmination that we're 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 just coming into now we did a a year looking at the atonement and the old testament and then we spent the last three and a half years very purposely going through luke just to get to this story of the cross and so it's been it's, it's week after week, and, and then as Christians, we should be living out um, in, in just the way we live and the way we talk to people because we do have that, that hope that took place because of that Good Friday. And so that, it should just be part and parcel of who we are. If the cross is only about Friday, it cheapens the sacrifice of Christ. Uh, the church building where we worship when I arrived, it occurred to me that there was not a cross visible in the sanctuary. They had this large one that they used for productions, but I thought, we need that all the time. So we have literally right behind the pulpit, uh, probably an eight and a half or a nine foot tall cross, six inches, uh, because the cross is our life. What God did for us is so vitally important that it becomes the pattern for our life. Uh, Jesus on Monday Thursday washed the disciples feet and some of the last words we have before the crucifixion are in John's gospel do you understand what I've done for you if the teacher does this the students follow suit and that's aimed at the cross as well so I I talk a lot about living our life in this style of the cross where we give sacrificially to others give of ourselves that others might see the light of the cross shining through us it it's every day of the year and it and it's and it's a bizarre symbol you know like it's like an electric chair yeah, or absolutely. a noose right. and and it's important that we not not cheapen that like yeah. you said it's important that we understand what that what that means we are a we are a people who as you've talked about if, if this is indeed the bridge we need to be reminded of it. You know, human beings, if we don't see something constantly in front of us, we'll forget it. Our attention span now is, is probably reduced to about four or five minutes. And if we don't see it, we forget it. And you're absolutely right. We do the same thing. Every Sunday, there is a message. There's a part of the gospel that reminds you that it's still there. It's still alive. It's still breathing. We had a couple of guys in the church build a nine-foot-tall cross. And the base is movable. They're phenomenal guys who could figure this out. It's almost like the cross is balsa wood. It can be moved by one person, but the base is, is heavy. What we do, especially throughout Holy Week, is we place it in different parts of the sanctuary so that it kind of catches people off guard. You know, at one time, you're going to walk through the front doors of, of the church, and it's going to be right there. You have to physically walk around it to get into the, into the sanctuary itself. You can touch it, you can be close to it. Sometimes it's gonna be up front, sometimes it's gonna be right in the middle of the seats so that people don't lose importance. And, and I don't think it cheapens it, I don't think it minimizes it. I think what it does yeah. is it puts people close to it because if it's up there on the wall behind me or behind the pulpit then it's something that people see, oh, it's all the way back there, it's that electric chair, it's that really crazy symbol. But you know, if you have to walk by it and you touch it and you experience it, it makes it real and that's what People, I think that's what many seekers and many believers, you know, you want to you reach out and touch that wall and know that it's still a wall. And, you know, that cross is still there. 
and, and miracles are be are happening every day. Lives are being changed, people are being saved, things are happening every day, and there is a constant reminder, and it is that cross. And the uh, the Bible, when it says, "If anybody's going to follow after me, let them deny their self." Mm-hmm. It's right. not about your natural life anymore. Let them deny their self, take up the cross, and follow me. follow me. When we pray to God, when we pray to Jesus, and many of us think about Jesus like he was at Nazareth or at Galilee, or that, that's the image we have. But Jesus took that image, that life, and put it on the cross, and he died for us. Then he was resurrected and positioned at the right hand of the Father. When we're praying to him now, that's where he is. Mm -hmm. He is at the right hand of of the Father. He is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. I ought to fall on my feet when, you know, fall down on my knees when when I'm thinking about that image. So when when we ourselves look at the gospel and how Jesus lived, we're really looking at how we should now live. That, that is now my life. I should love like he loved. I should sacrifice like he sacrificed. I should not do anything unless I'm really checking it out with God. You know, the, the cross should teach me that now that's my zone. Mm-hmm. I now live like Jesus. I now should do that. If we could think like that, it would solve so many of our problems on, should I do that or should I not do that? It's not like a little thing of what would Jesus do. It's what am I supposed to do to be like him? I, I literally live in the cross mm-hmm. until the day I'm resurrected to sit with him on a throne. Amen. You understand what I'm saying mm-hmm. in that? It is our job is now to live that life he lived right up to the point of the cross. That's what he taught us. That's the cross and why we called the church Crossroad. That's mm-hmm. the road of the cross. I really want to thank all four of you for being here on this discussion about the cross. And I want to thank Mount Air Farms, obviously, for organizing this and then doing their Thanksgiving at Easter celebration where they feed thousands of people in our community who don't have that uh, that luxury right now. And then, of course, our sponsor, Boardwalk Plaza and, uh, and Victoria's Restaurant, a great place to visit, but they make this podcast possible. So, listen, if you're seeking today and something that we said here touched your heart, be sure to reach out to us. You can find us on email, podcast at 887thebridge.com. And be sure to download the Bridge mobile app where you can get the latest podcast episodes, including another special episode next week, which will feature the resurrection as a discussion. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with a friend. They could certainly use this message as well. And you can get complete show notes for this episode and other podcasts at our website, 887thebridge.com. Guys, that's it. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, nailed it. I got time to get home.